Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Yeah, Boris Johnson has ordered a third national lockdown for England to combat the spread of coronavirus. In a televised address tonight, the Prime Minister said that the new variant, which is 50 to 70 percent more transmissible, uh, was spreading in a frustrating and alarming manner. Now, we want to be clear about the new variant because people talk about this virus is different. It has a new variant. All viruses have variants and mutations. And in relation to the variant being more transmissible, this is only what they believe is correlation. There is no causation to this. There's no data to back this up. They basically have noticed that where there is areas where the case increases, they have noticed more of the new variant. So there's a correlation between the two. All right. Uh, they don't actually have any data to back up this claim. But in saying that, they do believe that they have evidence to back up the claim. Anyway, he appealed for people to do more together to bring the new variant of COVID-19 under control. Mr. Johnson said that his government is asking people to stay at home. However, people may leave home if it is impossible to work remotely to shop for uh, necess- necessary goods and to exercise. In other words, he wants them all to do what they did in March. Uh, he bowed to significant pressure to uh, order primary schools, secondary schools and colleges to move to remote teaching and basically close from tomorrow. And the measures are expected to last until at least the middle of February. Mr. Johnson's statement came after the chief medical officer for the first time raised the UK to the highest level of the COVID-19 alert system. And they warned the NHS is at risk of being overwhelmed within 21 days in several areas. Let's first of all talk about the NHS and the HSE because they operate in pretty much the same way. Uh, We're now being told, of course, here in Ireland that if you have flu-like symptoms or cold-like symptoms, that you are to assume that you have COVID-19. You're not to wait for a test, you're just to isolate. Now, with 65,000 people working in healthcare in this country, a lot more in the UK, obviously, um, with 65,000 people here, 3,000 people missing on one day, I think it was last uh, Christmas Eve or whatever it was, or whatever it was last week sometime, 3,000 people absent from work because they had been near a close contact or had been a close contact of somebody with COVID. Um, if we keep doing this, we will have nobody left working in the healthcare system. If the numbers keep going up and people are going out of work because they've been with a close contact or beside a close contact or they have uh, a little bit of a sniffle, we will have nobody left working in the healthcare system and the HSE will collapse. So I don't know how they're going to work this out. And this is why currently at the moment, like you take it, for example, if I look at an article here from last year, and by the way, before I go, to, I'm not comparing COVID-19 to the flu. I want to be abundantly sure that people know I'm not comparing the two. They're two very different viruses that work in very different ways. But in saying that, they both make us very sick and they're both capable of killing people. This is an article from last week. Now, we've talked about COVID-19 currently at the moment. Uh, in Ireland, there's 70 people in ICU and 776 in hospital. All right. This is an article from last year, this week, well, the end of this week, last year in the Irish Examiner. And I'm reading this verbatim from the Irish Examiner from last year. Last week, 619 people, or 609 people, were admitted with flu, bringing the season total to 2,707. Most who died were over the age of 65. There was 94 people admitted to intensive care, and 60% of those are over the age of 65. Uh, The HSE Assistant National Director of Public Health uh, and Child Health, uh, Dr. Kevin Gallagher, said it appears to be the worst is over. However, while there was clear evidence that the flu season had peaked last month, he said it could start to increase again. (coughs) Sounds familiar, doesn't it? In other words, we had more people at this time last year in hospital 
with flu. And remember, flu can be very dangerous as well to people over the age of 65 and more dangerous, by the way, to those under the age of 65. We now know from data that COVID is less dangerous to those under 65 and more dangerous to those over 65 in comparison to influenza. So the point is we had as many people in hospital last year, but we don't mass test for flu. So doctors and nurses who came into contact with people didn't suddenly isolate for 14 days. That's what's happening now. And if that continues to happen, we will have a health service that will collapse. I just thought I'd throw that in there just to give you some perspective on why the HSE and the NHS and everywhere is in trouble. Scotland have brought in a national lockdown as well, by the way. Nicola Sturgeon has told Scottish Parliament that from midnight, people will face legal requirement to stay at home. Not just 5K. Stay at home. Except for essential purposes. This is a similar to the lockdown imposed at the start of the pandemic last year. She also said that schools will stay shut. Uh, Professor Thomas Ryan believes the majority of people in Ireland are in favour of restrictions because he quoted an Amora poll. Um, and he believes that people in Ireland in general would favour more restrictions. Is he right? I mean, we know what the restrictions are at the moment. Uh, they're not quite as bad as they were in March. We still have construction sites open and schools so far are going to reopen on the 11th of January, although that's up for question. But are you worried about the recent rising COVID cases or did you think it was obvious that was going to happen? Um, are you, and the government have said, by the way, Neffet have now said the recent rise has nothing to do with a new strain. Michal Martin did say, by the way, on Steam's Day, uh, when he made his address to the nation, it was to do with the new strain. He obviously didn't talk to Neffet because they said it's nothing to do with the new strain. They said that they don't believe there's a connection with the two. They just believe cases are rising because more interaction. So the question I want to ask you is, are you worried about COVID, the recent rise? And have you been directly affected by the virus over the last number of weeks? And do you agree with what Thomas Ryan said, quoting the Amoric poll? And would you be in favour of more restrictions? Would you accept more restrictions? Now, we're already quite restricted as citizens, but would you expect, or would you respect if the government turned around and said, Yes, we're bringing in uh, level 10 rather than level 5, whereby you're not allowed out of your house. There's a curfew till, uh, at 7 o'clock in the evening. You have to stay in your home. You can be arrested otherwise. Would you accept that? Let me know what you think. The number is 87 188 That's 87 Would you accept a level of restrictions like Scotland where you literally cannot leave your home? Let me go to Andy. The number, by the way, 087-188-0008. Andy, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Andy? I'm not so angry, you know. Uh, yeah, well, the cases, case numbers are going very high. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it, mind you, a lot of that's to do with the time of the year. People's immune systems are not as good as they would be normally. You know, it is that season, as they call it. So, I yeah. mean, would you, would you accept that the government said, OK, curfews, 7 o'clock, not allowed to leave the house, forget about the 5K, stay in your gaff? I think we have to. I mean, I think the figures that I heard today, and I could be wrong, I think it's about 285 uh, ICU people in, in ICU beds in hospital at the minute uh, with a capacity of another 100 and something. So, you know, we are very, very close to the point where um, the, the health service is going to be sort of... Well, seven, uh, currently there are 70 people in ICU, 776 in hospital. I, I thought that, well, maybe, maybe I, I misheard, but that, that's the number of ICU beds that I was... I think that's the amount of beds available. You may be talking about the amount of ICU beds available. Um, but there's 70 people currently in ICU that are have diagnosed positive for COVID-19. And, and we've got a 20% a day sort of increase rate since everybody seemed to sort of relax a little bit at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and therefore, when people relax and, and let the guard down, then... 
you know, COVID is a highly contagious virus that well, then why, I, I'm, I'm wondering why then, between the end of July, when, we, when Leo made his exit and kind of lifted the phases, as they were called at the time, till the end of September, we had practically zero, well, when I say practically zero deaths, we had some deaths uh, from COVID, but we had very low case numbers uh, for three months yeah. and people were going about their business, meeting up with their friends, whatever. Um, it didn't go up, but people, yeah, people but yes. weren't just meeting up with their friends willy-nilly either, I don't think at all. Do you think we've become complacent now? I think it's, it was, it was, this is why we've had these waves, because we all get a pain our, simply put, we all get a pain our bollocks of, of not seeing friends, of cancelling, you know, let's like say at Christmas time, um, my mother was going to come over. Uh, we decided literally a few days, a couple of days before they shut the borders, that the, the, the sort of her trip was basically putting her too much at risk because um, they were closing the car parks in Hollyhead. She was going to drive there, so we had to make the sort of difficult decision, you know, which was to sort of say, let's, let's just don't do it. Just don't come. Why put yourself at risk? Yeah, but uh, well, between that and Brexit, Hollyhead was a no-go area anyway, to be honest with you. Well, look, I mean, I think, I think, I think if you look at like of Dover, I think that's more of a fucking no-go area for any, any truck driver these days. Yeah, uh, did, you see the, did you see the trucks in Kent in the, the airfield? My God, crazy. Yeah, no, nobody out of sight and out of mind. Nobody yeah, really I, I'm assuming that. that's... By the way, I'm assu- I don't know the story, but I'm assuming that's all cleared up now. When I say cleared up now, that that, that whole pressure has been alleviated somewhat. I, I haven't been following it too closely, but I, I know that they, that I think the Polish army were going to go in and, 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 and give test, testing kits to their, yeah. their drivers so they could sort of get, you know... And, and I think there was actually two out of the... Well, I don't know, thousand lorries... Yeah, um, that were tested positive. So, but I think it's more just a. Um, to, to me, it was a. I, I a, a personally, I believe a lot, a lot of that was the French giving the two fingers to the British before they I, go. I, but and, and I, I think there's a bit of that in there as well. Yeah, but, you know, look, that's prove it. You know what I mean. Yeah, well, I know, I know, I know. Okay, but getting back to COVID-19, I mean, Andy, you know, our lives are already restricted greatly and we, we, we seem to forget how much we're restricted. When you look back at our lives this time last year, for example, right, and the, I, it's hard to remember actually what life was like this time last year. Life was looking great for me this time last year. <laughs> yeah, but, but it was all on an upward trajectory, which which was bound to come crashing down. Yeah, well, why? Why do you think you're are you doused with bad luck or something like that? Is, I, is, I, I, I generally when when, it, when things are going too well, there's, there's something nasty coming around the corner. <laughs> I am, don't don't be thinking <laughs> negatively, Andy, for God's sake. But anyway, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, but I mean, it's hard. It's hard. It is hard to remember what life was like before COVID. But when we think back, we're actually greatly restricted as human beings. Uh, you know, our well, freedoms have been now. impacted. Yeah, well, what do you mean we're still, still here? here? What do you mean we're still here? We're still here, we're still functioning. Yeah, we, but we, we wouldn't. We yeah, but, uh, but hang on. Yeah. Even well, with, well, with no restrictions and no lockdowns, we wouldn't all be dead anyway, Andy. I mean, that. No, that, no, I'm not, no, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we've survived through the lockdowns. Nothing, you know, we haven't sort of failed to, to function and. And exist as human beings because we've had a lockdown. Well, we, know, yeah, yeah, but we are. But there is, you know, there is unquantifiable damage from lockdowns, and and that will become apparent over time. I mean, particularly and, when it comes to the economies. This, and, and we know this, but look, with, with the sort of the low interest rates, and again, I'm not an economist. Um, you know, with the low interest rates at the ECB, it's sort of doshing out loans, and capitalism can't fail. You know, they can't destroy. You know, the, the capitalist system. So therefore, yeah. the capitalists must come together and work out how they're going to prop up countries. And basically, it's like all things. It's about equity. It's going to be like putting things on paper and who owes money and how we're going to pay it back. And there'll be 
interest and loans on, on loans, and, and that's the way it'll just go on. I mean, you I know. Mean, I mean, a lot of people are mentioning here, by the way, which has to be said, uh, you know, if we look at the last time this happened, which was between March and kind of July or June, where we had high case numbers, nobody really wore masks. We didn't have masks. Actually, the, the NEFID were advising people not to wear masks, if I remember rightly, yeah, including well, the I, HSA. I think, I think when, hang on, no, the point I'm making is, now we're all wearing masks, and it's actually worse. That doesn't mean, yeah, it, it doesn't not, show up well for masks, does it? It does, no, it, it's, it's more reflective of people's behaviour. I mean, I, I can tell you one case I heard very recently, um, a guy that I know, uh, his son, he decided to go out with his mates at Christmas and, and, and fucking two days later he, he, he's come back to, you know, came down with COVID and now the father can't work. He's got to self-isolate for 14 days because, you know, the, the son was stupid enough to, to go out, and, you know, because he got, like, like all of us, got to pay his ballots. But instead of sort of saying, fuck it, let's just dig deep and, 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 and go through this for a bit longer, he went, ah, no, let's... let's oh, well, I say, you now, if I was the father in that situation, I'd just stay in a and b for two weeks. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You, you self-isolate. If you're a close contact, that's what I've, I mean. I, you know, we're all listening to the, the news and the doctors and, you know, the general information. And the general information is that the doctors are basically saying... If you are a close contact with somebody, you should self-isolate for two weeks. And, and that's, that's what people aren't doing. They're going, ah, it's only a bit of COVID, will be grand. Well, I mean, yeah, but it's all well and good. Uh, you know, it's all well and good saying to people you have to self-isolate, right? And, and by the way, I, I encourage people to follow the guidelines. But if you're self-employed... People aren't doing it. Yeah, but what I'm saying to you, yeah, but if you're, but, yeah, but but Andy, you have to take people's personal situation to, into consideration. If you're self-employed and you're a plumber or an electrician, or yeah, and you need yeah, to put food yeah. on the table, you need to pay yeah. a mortgage, yeah. and and all of a sudden your mate rings you or the HSE ring you and say, listen, you've been in close contact uh, the other day in a shop with somebody or in a restaurant with somebody who has uh, COVID nineteen, you need to self-isolate for for fourteen days. I mean, you're thinking, how am I going to put food on the table? A lot of people will go, yeah, that's grand. Hang up the phone. I'm on butter their arse. Because they want to put food on the table. But there's, there's subsidies out there for people that have lost. A, yeah, but there's, yeah, but the subsidy is not going to pay their wages. Well, look, there's, there's a, if you're, you know, if you're, you get 350 quid, depending on your sort of your circumstances, you know, based on, you know, the, the company's kind of self-employed. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you can show a sort of a, a downturn of 30% on your income. So, you know, there are, there are, let's say, there is money out there. There's quite generous, let's say, subsidies from the government which people can avail of. Um, so that's, that's it, yeah. I mean, it, it's... I mean, how, how come, when we look at the health service, it's a mess at the moment, OK, with the amount of people that, that are taking time off to self-isolate. Mm-hmm. And yet you don't see Tesco's, Dunn's, uh, all the other shops who've been open right the way through this. You don't see them being in a mess because their staff are disappearing. So, I mean, why why are they not affected? How do you define, what's your definition of being in a mess? Well, understaffed. Yeah, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not suggesting, by the way, directly. that retail workers do the same work as healthcare workers. Yeah, they're not de- exactly, because they're not dealing with COVID. In, they're not staring in the face day, day to day. And as we know, and I think it's fairly sort of proven back now, your likelihood of getting COVID depends on your sort of exposure to it. Yeah, but I mean, so if you look at the numbers, and if you look at the numbers at the moment, right, they predict 10,000 by the end of the week, right, per day, right? <clears throat> and you look oh, at these 6, numbers. 10,000 today, aren't uh, That's right, and they predict it'll be 10,000 by Friday. Okay, so if you look at these numbers, right, yeah. 
the likely uh, the likelihood is that if you work in a hospital where there's a lot of members of the general public, um, now yeah. they could be just coming in with a broken leg. As the doctor from uh, Galway University Hospital pointed out this morning, the majority of COVID cases they have are not people with symptoms of COVID. They're people who come in for something else and just happen to test positive, right? Yeah. Okay. But the point I'm making, now the point I'm making is you're likely to come into contact with somebody with COVID. So that means there'll be nobody left in the health service in about three weeks' time if we do the multiples. I, I, I absolutely look at that. They'll be not all at home. No, they, they're not going to all be at home because not all of them are going to get it. But well, certainly some will get it and some have died from it. Absolutely. You know? Well, and, thankfully, very few have died. Thankfully. Listen, say, say thankfully very few to the families of those who've lost people. Ah, come on, don't be throwing the emotional blackmail at me. I, you know, I applaud the job they've done. Hold on. No, 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 Andy, hang on for a second. No, I'm not going to stand for this. I applaud the job they've done. They do a wonderful job, the people in healthcare. And yes, they do put their lives at risk. But in real terms, we've got to be realistic and stop being emotional and throwing emotional blackmail at each other when we talk, have a conversation. It is, no, it is. Because what I'm saying to you is, if we look, for example, at the last nine months, right, um, taxi drivers probably had more debts than people who worked in healthcare. People working haulage had more debts. Construction had more debts. Uh, working in healthcare is actually one of the lower risk go. jobs. Yeah, listen now. Hold on. Yes, it is. Actually, yeah, yes, it is. My, you're into my... Okay, first of all... Well, got, what's, what's the highest risk uh, occupation? Farming. No, it's not. The highest risk occupation is haulage. Second highest no, risk. It's not. I, I no, only. It's oh, well, hang on. Nile. Okay, okay. I got, I'm going to. I'm going to give you the. I'm going to give you the actual Nile. figures. I'm going to type it in here. Okay. Truck up. Okay. Highest. Okay. I parked the truck up now about an hour ago. Right. So I parked the truck up. I spent the day in a lorry. I, I, I teach driver CBC training. It's one of the things that I do or did do prior to COVID. And and the haulage is about the third most dangerous industry to be in. So okay, jobs. Okay, no, because I, I tell you why. I only looked up the other night because somebody asked me the same question. Uh, let me see fatalities. Jobs farming, high- building, agriculture, agriculture, farming accidents. Then we've got building accidents. Then we've got haulage. Okay, but that, I, I get it in a few minutes. But the point I was making is right: is that healthcare is not is only barely getting into the top ten. All right. From what I remember from the list I saw there tonight, the list I saw there tonight had things like haulage, taxi drivers, construction. Um, oh, it had fisheries. Uh, that was quite high, actually, fisheries. Yeah. Log- loggers in the United States obviously come quite high as well because obviously their trees fall on top of them. So all those... Well, the, point, okay, the point I'm making is there are a lot of jobs that are quite dangerous, that involve risk. And if you go into a job as a doctor or as a nurse... Uh, or a lorry driver, or in construction, yeah. you 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 know you understand there's a risk in your job. Yeah. And, and I'm quite happy sitting down the steering wheel of a lorry whilst uh, the, we're in the middle of a pandemic because I don't come into contact with people. I go out, I deliver goods. I don't see people, you know, with what I deliver, and that's it. I'm gone. I'm out. Of, I'm not at risk of COVID. What we're saying is COVID is a risk. What we're talking about is the transmission rates of COVID, and what we're trying to do through all this, through herd immunity, through vaccines, is actually stop it because we know. It's the over 65s who are at greater risk. And we know the nursing homes, you know, are the ones that, where people are going to die. There's no, nobody's debating that issue. You know, but what we're saying is we have to, you know, do you put a value on life? And if of, course, do, well, of, course, of course I put a value on life. But, but, but hang on. But I also upset, uh, accept that we were allowed to have a conversation about death. And, you know, unfortunately, people die. There's, there's nothing we can do about that. We can't save everybody. That. That's a pretty obvious principle. 
obvious statement to make now. Yeah. No, no, but we seem to be very uncomfortable at the moment having a conversation about death. There was an interesting story, by the way, that I, I had put up on Twitter about th- uh, three or four days ago. And um, there was a man in his late 80s who was given the vaccine in Israel. And he died a couple of hours after they gave him the vaccine. Uh, and they do believe the vaccine was the direct cause of his death. But doctors, now obviously he had serious underlying conditions. But doctors said, um, it's a kind of, it was okay because we realised this because the man had serious underlying conditions. And I said, okay, that's, I accept that. You know, he had underlying conditions. They took a risk. They gave him the vaccine. Didn't quite work out. And the poor man died. Okay. So he was yeah. elderly. He had serious underlying conditions. He was past the average age of mortality. Um, yeah. And, and we accept that. But unfortunately, yeah. if I say that on the air about COVID-19, oh, sure, look, they were going to die anyway. All of a sudden, I'm the worst person in the world. But no, pre- well, no, that's premature death. You know, that's, that's the problem with COVID-19. The people are dying, you know, before they really should. And it's, it's a dangerous virus. Yeah, but, the ex- know, yeah, but the, I mean, the excess deaths this year, if you look at, for example, look at April, which was the highest amount of debt, the highest debt rate in Ireland this year so far. There was more people died in January 2017 than April 2020. Well, listen, a third of all deaths in the UK now are COVID. It's, it's, that's, that's what it's saying. I think that's, that's the statistic. Okay, did you, how do you want to word that? So are you saying that a third of people in the UK die from COVID-19 or with COVID-19? A third, the third most common cause of death in the UK... And probably the, you know, the well, that's factually incorrect, okay, because it's not the cause of death. But go on, I'll let you say it anyway if you want to. Well, it is factually incorrect because a third of people dying in the UK currently are not, the cause of their death is not COVID-19. That's factually incorrect. No, a third, well, I think what they say is it's the third highest cause of death in the UK. And that's factually incorrect as well, but, but I'll let you say well, it anyway. Okay, well... Well, you, 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 well, no, no, let you, that's fine. I let you say it. If you, if you look at the news in the UK, be it BBC or Sky, they will say this amount of people, be it 600 people, 700 people, whatever, died with COVID-19. Don't go to CSL. I mean, oh, yeah, okay, so, so I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting people don't die of COVID-19. Of course they do. And it's a horrific virus for anybody to catch, particularly if they have serious underlying conditions. But, the, but we have to be very careful how we word things because that's what scares the living shite out of people. But stay there for a second if you, you can. You should be scared. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm not scared. Uh, stay there, Andy, if you want to. Peter, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Peter? Peter, well, oh, the, there, is a, there is a question I ask is, would you accept more restrictions? No, I just think this is a conversation you had there with that chap as well. I mean, to be honest with you, my own opinion, I remember being on your show there um, this time last year. Well, not this time this year, actually last March when all this kicked off. And I said to you, w- w- watch this space. By the time we get to the end of 2020, we'll still be on this bandwagon and this government will drag it out to the death. All uh, for the sole purpose of um, using the private sector and the public at large through scaremongering. Um, based on a bandwagon that uh, that's been created. When, when you see, when you say, yeah, but Peter, the, the one part I well, I disagree yeah. with you. When you say bandwagon, it almost suggests that the whole thing is a hoax. I mean, there's no, oh, okay. there, yeah, but oh, Peter, okay. there's no oh, doubt there's a virus out there that's killing. People. It's a virus, yeah. It's, I don't think it's as serious as it's being made out to be. Um, that's just my own opinion. I mean, if you look around, you look at what's happening. Um, I mean, there's more. This guy's talking about you know the the, the, the dangers of COVID nineteen. What about all the cancer uh, victims put on the backlog? People are dying of other types of viruses, including flu. I mean, the, the, the stats on flu are, are approximately zero at the moment, which means that people who have flu are being, um, as you said, diagnosed with uh, COVID-19. It's not too farce. I mean, to be honest with you, I think it's one of the greatest bandwagons that's been created since uh, Instagram. 
Is it, okay, so if, if it is a ban, yeah. if it is a bandwagon, as you say, well, I, when I say bandwagon, I mean the the government are basically trading a bandwagon out of it. Okay, I, okay, I, I know, I, I accept what you're saying. I accept your opinion of what you're saying. Yeah. So, if that is the case, I, and this is something that I think about all the time, I think about your opinion, I think about Andy's opinion, and yeah. I, let me let me look at your opinion first, um, which kind of ties in a, a lot of the stuff you said. What I think. But then I, then I start to question myself and say, well, if that's the case and the government are exaggerating it or whatever, governments around the world are exaggerating, what's the purpose of that? Because the only purpose uh, of that well, at the moment I'll is damage you, to the country. I'll tell you, well, I'll, to be honest with you, like, what's the, if you want an overall overarching uh, macro uh, purpose to the whole thing, I mean, you'd have to look at, the glo- at a global scale. Well, you know, who's involved? Who's at the top of these organisations? And we all know when we go and delve more into those questions, you, you start opening up that world of uh, conspiracy. And that's what's happening at the moment. People go online, they find out the information. Not all the information is crap out there, by the way. There's no, well, a, lot a, lot of, of, a lot of information is misinformation. Let's be clear about well, that. Some of it is a bit... Well, so, yeah, but some of, it, some of it's a bit nutty. Some of it is, but, you know, when you look into the, the detail of some of it, not all of it, some of it does have a lot of truth behind it. And it has a lot of, even if it's not true, a lot of weight. That, uh, that 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 weighs on the side of truth as opposed to uh, lies. Okay, so you're kind of going down the road of a kind of thought of a global reset of some description. Yeah, well, that, that seems to be the consensus out there. And when you weigh it all up and you look at what's happening, it's not inconceivable to think that. But then again, with social media and, and especially like state pro- uh, state funded propaganda, as we've seen with RT and other. Okay, well, well, let me let me ask Andy. Let me let me just throw something to Andy here, Andy. I, I personally don't believe we would be in the situation we're in today. I think we'd still have a virus, by the way, but I don't believe we'd be in lockdowns, we'd be in restrictions, we'd be closing schools if we didn't have social media. Because if we look back at swine flu, when, it, when swine flu made its uh, second emergence, it's been around since the 70s, uh, back in 2009 when it started off in Mexico, because we didn't have social media, it didn't gather steam around the world the way it, this particular virus did. Hold on a minute. I just I think I think you're missing the sort of the actual direct lines of communication that you've got and things or structures of things like you know world governments, the World Health Organization, um, you know the, our own HSE, uh, the Health and Safety Authority. Well, not the HSE, it's Health and So HSE mm-hmm. here, and then and, and we've got we've got the the UK NHS. I, I don't think they're all making it up, and I don't think they're the ones that are. But, but is social media not? Well, hang on, Peter. Is social media now not dictating public policy? No, is it bollocks? People Absolutely, are, I think it is. People, no, it's not. You no, are deluded. No, you're deluded, mate. Because what we've got is if, if you think that's if you think that's what it is, well, it's it's, it's a well-oiled engine to be honest with you because the, the followers on it are it's the tune of billions, and they are doing what they're, they're basically following. They're like sheep following sheep, and that's what's happening. And unfortunately, when you deliver out um, bandwagons and whatever else to go with it, that this is what you get. You know, I well, well, Andy, would it not be fair to say? If, <clears throat> pardon me. If we go right back to the start of this, right? That social media. At the very, very start, do you remember the very first, if you remember, I think there was a load of people in a pub. And social media is poison after. Oh, oh, I couldn't couldn't disagree with you, right? particularly Twitter. But if you go onto social media, at the very start of this pandemic, uh, there was that video went around of people in a pub 
and everybody said, hashtag close the pubs, hashtag close the pubs. All of a sudden, the pubs are closed, right? Um, in relation to Golfgate, people, you know, had to resign. That was all to do with social media. That push, that pressure was pushed by social media. The schools closing, hashtag close the schools, hashtag open the schools, hashtag I, do I, this. A lot of it is, I mean, the government are looking at videos on social media, like everybody else that go viral and saying, we need to react to that. We need to react to that. A lot of it is, deal, is social media. We live in a society of surveillance, Niall. We live in a society of surveillance full of cameras where there is that much stuff that is caught on video and then circulated. You know, people, absolutely people react to it and, and you know, you can use it to influence people that are so easily influenced. But things like the Goldgate scandal, if you want to refer to that, very simply, you know, public figures doing something that they should not have been doing. And, it, and I don't think that was really anything to do with, say, maybe you can sort of say, yes, there was a, a private, you know... Personally, uh, I don't believe they should have been forced to resign, but that's just my own personal opinion. Yeah, well, I, I think if you, if you want to be, you know, in public office, I think you need to sort of... Well, you could argue the same with the people who work in RTE. If you want to be on RTE and tell everybody else how to live their lives, well, then they should have been fired too, shouldn't they? But they didn't. No, no, can I just come in there? Just and I, I'm I don't believe they should have either. Sorry, sorry, yeah, go ahead, um, Peter. Sorry, no, just now, just you're talking about people in public office. It's just quite notable, and people really should just be aware of it. Some people are just so idiotic and cheap, like in this country at this point, it's the, they bear down to anything that the government will tell them, unfortunately. Peter, the argument is they have to have somebody to believe. Oh, Jesus. Now, can I just put, make this point out on, on, on that ground? The people who are making all these recommendations are not affected by I'm any of the recommendations. Hang on, no, let him no, finish, no, Andy. Let, let, him, let him, him finish, Andy. Just let me make a point. The people making these recommendations over the last year and going on probably for another six months into this year are those who are not affected by any of the recommendations they make. They're in, they're financially, the financially. Yes. Yeah, yes, yes. But just, it's, this is important. It's an important point to make. They're all in the public sector. The public sector remains unaffected, bar the fact that they may not be able to get down to a certain shop. The rest of us lose businesses, we lose jobs, we lose livelihoods, we lose homes, we lose lives and suicides and all sorts of things going on. So when you weigh up all of that, against, as they say, oh, for the sake of one life of a 95-year-old man who already has underlying conditions. It doesn't add up. No, they're not, you know, in, in, fa- in fairness, Peter, they're not all 95-year-old men with underlying conditions. Okay, there are some, yes. Demographic, the demographic, The demographic, generally, yes. yes. Okay. And with that demographic, if you're in the realm of actuaries, I can tell you now, they would say, uh, yeah, a bad idea or a good idea. You, okay. No, 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 I, 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 no, I get what you're saying, Andy, and I, and I think, Andy, you know what he's talking about. He's talking about the trade-offs in life. In other words, that we accept that people die and we can't be changing the world or changing things just because six or seven people or whatever it is in a certain demographic will die every year because we do a certain thing. We accept that we live with risks as human beings. Okay, we'll stay there for a second, Andy, if you can, and stay there, Peter. I know you might want to respond to that, Andy. Uh, let me go to Podrick. Podrick, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Podrick? Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Good evening, Mr. Boylan. Good evening, Padraig. Your listeners await your very next word. Well, you took the very words out of my mouth, Matt. Yeah, the new year, Padraig. They're awaiting. Yeah, I won't wish you a happy uh, 2021, now. It's quite a miserable one, isn't it? It's it's going to get worse. What I I witnessed this morning in in City West was like a... As you know, I, I've been one of these Downton Thomases here um, saying, oh, this is over the top. I, I actually caught it myself. My, you couldn't make it up, actually. My brother-in-law was here a week ago, and he, his whole family has it. I have it. I'm isolating. Uh, I went for the test this morning, so I'm awaiting the results. 
So how do you know you have it? I, I don't know, Niall. I, I just, all his, his family were here. They've oh, okay. All, they've all tested positive. And how do you feel? Uh, I feel a bit better today, Niall. Um, from Wednesday, I had, well, I was confined to bed, fever, mainly feverish symptoms, Niall. Uh, yeah. A bit of a temperature that, you know, that, and not... No breathing difficulties. Okay, you do, do you have any underlying conditions, no, no, any health conditions? Have, no. I don't have underlying issues. Okay, all right. Well, then you're probably going to be fine. Like, like you said, I've changed my tune now because it's come to my door. The chicken, uh, my brother-in-law was the same. He was like uh, more extreme than me. It's all fake news. It's all a load of shite. And now he's changed his tune as well. But look, uh, what, I, what I seen this morning, Niall, was a brilliant operation. But the frightening thing about it, Niall, at 9 o'clock this morning, get the test. There was 50 cars. I, I left there at 9.20. There was 50 cars. There was, there was another 49 behind me. Now, I, I said to the, one of the ladies, how many, she said, we're doing five or 600 a day. Now, this is just one location. Uh, so, uh, there's snowed on the Nile. So, there's an, really, it, now, the, the army were actually there as well. There was army cadets. Maybe they're, they're all over the place now at this stage. I don't know. I've seen five or six army lads uh, giving a dig out there. Uh, while I was uh, waiting to go into the... The test centre, yeah. The, it's like a... Field hospital tent went in, a brilliant job, and uh, I, I'll await developments. But like I said, now I've I, I, I come to the conclusion now we have to get radical. We probably have to shut the whole lot down. Construction, uh, there's 200,000 construction workers back today. They probably have to throw that down. And I, I would actually close down the schools till the end of February and construction. Well, they look, well it looks like, the, no, I don't know about construction, but certainly it looks like the schools are going to be closed, yeah. I think the way they're going, Niall, is the whole thing is going to be, because it's just no under here. But I think the whole, we need a lockdown for two months. Like I said, I was like that man. Yeah, but uh, what, what happens in two months' time? See, and I, you know, yeah. I'm, with, I'm with everybody and Ashling when she said this to me earlier on. So let's go full on lockdown. I don't know, level 10 if you want to. I, right. lock, lock us all in our gaffes, right? For a month, right? So let's say that the, the case numbers go down to 10 people a day. What do we do then? Do we just all go back out again then? Or is it all over then? And the, the case numbers will just go back up again. So what, what, I mean, what's, what are you, what's everybody talking about? No, well, can no, I just come in there? Can I? Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Sir Peter. Sorry, no, just, uh, just in light of that. Uh, this whole thing, well, within, forget about other countries, but in this country, everything's been dragged out by a Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael government. And the fact of the matter is, and people need to know it, Michal Martin created this HSE 20 years ago, or 30 years ago almost now, He's now in power. He's been one of the worst Fianna Fáil teaching in history. And now, I mean, his own party members are trying to fight for his own title or to take his own title now at this point. But the fact of the matter is he's using the private sector and the public at large to try and attempt to fix his own mess. I mean, this is the greatest stunt that Fianna Fáil have ever pulled off. But I think it might be... Well, 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 I don't think Fianna Fáil have pulled off this... Yeah, well, hang on, the greatest respect, Peter. I don't think Fianna Fáil have pulled off a stunt of COVID-19. It's a global pandemic, for God's sake. I tell you, well, you call it a pandemic, two years of lockdown. I mean, get real, seriously. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Andy, what are you trying to say there? They call me naive, but I think it's got absolutely nothing to do with politics. And this is... Well, now, 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 Andy, come on. It is... It has become political. Is he on, where, Andy, on Andy, is, please, where is, Andy, I'm not, I'm not denying there's a problem, but it has become political. If you, think, if you don't think it's political, there's something wrong. It's a virus. A virus is a oh. virus. It's, it's, uh, are, you, are you telling me, if you look across the world, particularly in Ireland, UK and Northern Ireland as well, for example, in Scotland, are you telling me the decisions being made and people and politicians disagreeing with each other and health experts disagreeing with politicians and different uh, parties disagreeing with each other and opposition, are you telling me it hasn't become political? Would you stop? Because 
Sorry, Andy, go ahead. Yeah, it's a virus, and it's how it's very easy. It's how the people and, and people deal with it. We've got human beings in organisations across the world getting various levels of information, going various different strategies and policies, and then various different people object. So look what's just happened in America. The, the American, American elections was decided by COVID-19. Look what happened. What was well, there's other it's factors in there too. Thousand? Okay, there's, I mean, there's a country, over 300,000, isn't it? I would have thought at least, if not more, and increasing... Because you know they went, oh no, we don't, we don't need. So, uh, but the point I'm making is, it, the point I'm making is, it became political. And the, the, when I say political, Donald Trump would not have lost that election if COVID nineteen hadn't have come along. Now, because people supported Trump, and and they were the will not wear a mask. Let's wave our guns. Yeah, but it's, a, no, but it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. I'm not talking about what you think or what you don't think of Donald Trump. I'm saying the point is, Donald Trump would have walked that election if it hadn't have been for COVID nineteen. So are, are you telling me this has not all become political now? It's well, basically that, down to who makes opinion. what decisions. That's in your opinion, Niall. Oh, I don't opinion. Jesus. But Donald Trump, thank God, thank God those tapes have come out of Donald Trump threatening his... his uh, well, if you listen, you're, you're, now you're out of context. If you actually listen to the tapes, he wasn't threatening them, but I don't ever, yeah, go on. Well, I, I he was questioning the, he was questioning the, the machine, or whatever uh, voting machine. machine. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't threaten. Well, I think so it's great the way the, the media spin things when it comes to Donald well, Trump. Well, anyway. well, uh, sorry, well, hang on, Padraig, sorry, you want to finish? Padraig, so you've switched your sides, Padraig, yeah? Yeah, well, like I say, Niall, when it comes to your door, you change your tune. And look, at the end of the day, um, I, I, I realise a lot of people are not, not going to, if you have, have, don't have underlying issues, you're not going to, some members of my um, brother-in-law's family, they're younger. Uh, the one guy's only 28, he didn't even realise, he tested positive. He didn't even realise he had it. Because he had no symptoms, but he, he tested positive. Exactly right. Because he's a young, young, healthy man. There's not a problem here. Okay, well, 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 hang on, sorry, Peter. What are you saying there to, to Patrick? Oh no, sorry, myself. No, I was just saying. Uh, well, I'm wondering for myself really. It was just uh, regard to COVID nineteen numbers. It was proven in the doll that the, the HCC actually fake the end the, the, the COVID nineteen results. I mean, when you when you say fake the results, in what respect? Uh, they, well, no, I'd say they, they skew the the, the, the the facts of the detail basically. It's obviously a claim you're making, so I, I'm wondering um, what, and how they're skewing it, or what, what do you mean they're skewing it? Oh, and so far as well, uh, and it, I think it was an independent TV uh, brought them up on this, in the dollar question there four or five months ago, and they were they, they questioned the HTC as to the deaths with COVID-19. Oh, okay, all right, okay. So in other words, how they were defining death. Okay, the point was, and yes, that was raised during the Oireachtas Committee that if somebody tested positive for COVID-19 and within 28 days of that person fell off the roof of a building and died, would they go down as a COVID death? And the answer was yes, uh, which is quite shocking. By the way, listen, thank you very much indeed, Padre, Peter, Andy and everybody else who got involved in that. Uh, loads and loads of people texting in. So a lot of people texting in conspiracy theories. I don't have the time to read them all out. I don't buy into most conspiracy theories. Uh, I buy into little bits and pieces of things that make sense sometimes, but but not all the conspiracy theories that are out there. Uh, some people says, "No, I do believe lockdown, lockdowns do slow down the spread, but we'll never know because because we don't have a lock because we don't not have a lockdown. Uh, we'll never know how bad it could have been uh, because that would have made them." Uh, somebody else says, uh, "As I've said now before, 
uh, they can go back on their early lockdowns because that would make them liable for compensation litigation. Uh, there will be floodgates open for compensation, not just in Ireland, but worldwide, possibly trillions and trillions uh, of euro in compensation claims. They all went by Neil Ferguson's incorrect calculations. They've dug themselves into a hole and now they can't get out of it. Yeah, well, Neil Ferguson's calculations originally, this is the Imperial College, or was it Oxford Imperial College, whatever it was, uh, this kind of analytics that he used. He predicted 500,000 deaths in the United Kingdom within six months or something silly like that, didn't he? Which would completely ask him. And here's the thing, by the way, in relation to Neil Ferguson. And our own Sam McConkie, by the way, uh, turned around in March and, you know, said within a short period of time that we would have the same amount of people that would die in a civil war and something else put together. He predicted somewhere between 1,800 and 120,000 people to die, which was completely wrong. So these are people who are paid to model these figures. They get it catastrophically wrong, but yet we listen to them again, the same people. We actually listen to the same people all over again. I mean, any other business, if you made a prediction in any other business in relation to, you know, your business and you get like an accountant or a logistics person or somebody, for example, who orders the cement for a construction site and orders the bricks and the mortar and everything else, you know, who does, what's the name of the, the, the occupation that do that? Is that logistics, is it? The, person who, the person, person who works out how much they need in a building site, who calculates it. If they got it so badly wrong, what is it? Is it the, oh, quantity surveyor, of course, yeah. So if they get it so badly wrong that they were left with thousands of bricks and thousands of bags of cement and thousands of everything else and wasted a whole lot of money, they'd be fired. They would have lost their credibility because that's their job, to, to know these figures and model these figures. But yet, Neil Ferguson, Sam McConkie, uh, other people in Ireland who predicted, you know, the worst are still allowed back on television to predict again and get it wrong again, invariably in a lot of cases. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.